Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Twelve years into the job, I felt really empty. I was going to work and nothing was interesting to me anymore. I was really bored and I got fired. I wasn't passionate, I wasn't happy and you could tell. So I wasn't surprised. But things happen in life for a reason. And I think at that point, skincare was really boring and I wanted it to be exciting. And I thought, hmm, I have a few ideas and how hard can it be? Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. This episode of Breaking Beauty is brought to you by Clearly.ca. Carleen, I really like that girl's lipstick. I really like her lip liner. It's out of sight. You can see her lip liner from here? Oh yeah. These gold-tinted Ray-Bans, they're prescription. Really? They look so good. Clearly. Clearly what? Clearly.ca, Canada's leading e-tailer for sunglasses, eyewear, and contact lenses. So you can take any pair of sunnies that you have and make them prescription? Yeah. Or you can take any of your favorite eyeglasses and make them sunglasses. Ooh, I like this idea. I'm going to get those clear frames that all the cool girls on Instagram are wearing. They go with everything. Clearly. Visit clearly.ca today. Hey, Jill. Hey, Carlene. We're in a real studio today. I know. I hope it sounds better because we paid for this shit. <laughs> Does this mean we're real podcasters now? I think we're legit. Uh, speaking of being real podcasters, we wanted to let you guys know before we get into today's episode, in case you missed it, a couple of weeks ago, we launched a new mid-month series. It's called The Glowdown. Of course, we'll still always have these monthly episodes where we're featuring founders and getting into their backstory with their struggles and successes, but we got a lot of feedback that people wanted to hear a little bit more from us personally about products we've tried and spa services we've tried. Some people really loved our About Us episode where we just got real in my basement with a (laughs) bottle of wine. Yeah. So we're going to try and recreate a little bit of that. And yeah, and we want to hear what you like and don't like and tailor it. You know, if what what are your burning beauty questions? Let us know and we will continue to evolve. Absolutely. On today's episode, Mm -hmm. we are talking to Maria and I'm going to let you handle the last name. It's Maria. Maria Hatsis-Stefanis. She is Greek and she's the founder of Rodial and Nip and Fab. You also may know her from her Instagram account. It is called at Mrs. Rodial. She has a really great feed. It's sort of herself in street style. I love fashion as well. We have that in common and she's always wearing like Gucci t-shirts and off-white and ASOS sunglasses and amazing shoes. And she is so kind of adept at this. I was impressed 
like after our interview, she right away was like, we need a behind the scenes picture. I'm going to post it on my Instagram stories. You post it on yours a little bit later today. We'll take our Polaroid with the episodes out. We'll both launch at the same time. You know, she had the strategy down that typically is left to a social media editor and she was on it. She definitely knows how to create buzz. Mm -hmm. She founded Rodeo back in 1999. And to be clear, it's a skincare and makeup company. And it's best known for its buzzy innovations in really grabby product names Mm -hmm. um, that make you sort of look twice. We're going to get into that in a little bit, but she was doing sculpting powders and sculpting She way before Kim Kardashian came out yeah. with her line. It was back in 2014. She even launched a sculpting bar at Harvey Nichols in London where people could come in and get contouring done for red carpet events and mm-hmm. get sculpting facials so you look lifted and luminous for your night out. Yeah. What really put them on the map and what I remember specifically mm-hmm. is the Daily Mail article. No one does a headline better than the Daily Mail. It was the thing that was like snake serum, Botox in a bottle. It was the Rodeal Glamoxy snake serum. And to be clear, it doesn't have snake oil in it or snake venom or anything. No? It's this peptide <laughs> <laughs> called Synake. It's S-Y-N-A-K-E. Getting nerdy on you guys. But that is a peptide and it helps to halt forehead creases. So that's really mm-hmm. where it got its reputation. And it would be really easy to pass on this product. But these products are extremely effective. And I think mm-hmm. that's what made them successful mm-hmm. with Star Stars like Cheryl Cole is said to Mm -hmm. be a fan. Kate Moss was said to be a fan. And stuff just started flying. And I remember I featured this on Marilyn Dennis' show. Literally, I think, my very first segment I ever did on the show. And it makes for great TV, too, because it's it's talking points. And I think that's what Maria is so good at. Yeah, exactly. And in the beginning, I'll be honest, the gimmicky names like Snake Serum, it wasn't super appealing to me. So it took me a while to get into them. But Oh, I um, cracked it open right away. That's maybe the difference between us. You're just like, what is this? And I'm like, what is it? Let me open it. I'm smelling it right now, putting it on my face. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I did eventually try the Dragon's Blood Sculpting Gel. That was my entree into Rodeal. And it's funny because... It's called a gel, but I think it's more of like that cloud texture that came out a couple years ago from Korea because Mm -hmm. it's a creamy gel. And it does, I don't know, somehow it's in this little tub where it's one of those things where you press it up and then it pops out of a hole in Mm -hmm. the middle. So it has this springy effect right away. So you do get this feeling that it's delivering the plumpness but yeah yeah, like people in their 20s love it and you have a friend's mom who's oh yeah she's like so Mm -hmm. beautiful this woman doesn't wear any makeup really didn't use a lot of skincare and she got into this dragon's blood line and she's always like got any more of that got any more of that and just like buys it now obsessed with it so millennials and moms they all love it and actually i have to say your skin is really even Mm -hmm. after using it yeah well everyone knows redness is my issue but (laughs) i do find it evens out my tone and i notice an instant difference although i haven't used it for the full 30 days but apparently it has an amplifying effect after 30 days so anyway i don't want to come off like at some kind of infomercial but (laughs) it is one of themselves every minute around the world 10 years into creating rodeal she actually actually launched a diffusion line called Nip and Fab and kept riding the success of Rodeal. And it's in 35 countries around the world. It's sold at a fraction of the price point, but it's super effective. And we'll talk, we'll get into it a bit more later. But mm-hmm. Nip and Fab launched cosmetics recently in the UK. So I think that'll be trickling out to North America yeah. 
you That's know, a little in the scoop. months ahead. Yeah. I can't wait to get my hands on those. Mm-hmm. And just recently, Maria, she launched a book and it's called How to Be an Overnight Success. Mm-hmm. And it's all about female entrepreneurship. And we caught up with Maria when she was in town promoting the book, which is available now on Kindle and Kobo. Yeah, you right? can get digital copies of the book yeah. in Canada, but you can't um, in hardcover. It'll be in early 2018. So we got the Coles notes on what the secrets to her success are. And we started right at the beginning with her intense drive for fashion and beauty that began when she was a young girl. My name is Maria Hatzistefanes. I live in London and I'm originally from a small island in Greece and I have a little sister. We've always been super passionate about fashion and beauty and reading fashion magazines in this remote island whenever we can get our hands on them. So I was always really interested in fashion and style and beauty and everything beautiful and glamorous since I was a little girl. My parents are both in education, they're teachers, um, so nothing to do with glamour fashion. I wanted to do something that was very opposite to my parents. I guess growing up in a small island that's very remote to the capital of the country, I was always very zen about things. So I think it's the way that I face challenges and take risks without worrying too much about them. I think that's probably what I took from my childhood. Maria studied English literature at Athens University because she had this fascination with magazines when she was younger. It's no surprise that she started dabbling in writing for Seventeen magazine in Greece, right? Yeah, she was freelancing. And first she started out in fashion. She was um, calling in clothing for shoots and doing some styling. But then, as she tells it, they kept asking her to review beauty products. And slowly but surely, her passion started shifting over to, to beauty. She also had this idea in the back of her mind that she was also really interested in business, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that as part of her future as mm-hmm. well. And then she took this trip to New York. Yeah, her boyfriend at the time, Stratus, he's now her husband, was going to New York to go to university and he kind of encouraged her and she was like, why not? She managed to get into Columbia University yeah. though. So this was the MBA program. Mm-hmm. So that really set her off onto a different path. There was a bit of a, a, bit of a setback mm-hmm. after that. Something that no girl boss ever wants to face. And then I had so much debt that I needed to find a job to pay for it. And when you graduate from a business school in the U.S., you do get offered a lot of jobs within banking um, that offered a lot of money. So that was really attractive for me. I started working in banking first in New York and then moved to London. And at the beginning, it was really exciting. I was learning a lot. I was getting the adrenaline rush of doing deals. But a couple of years into the job, I felt really empty. I wasn't interesting. I was going to work and nothing was interesting to me anymore. I was really bored. And, you know, I guess I got fired. I I wasn't passionate. I wasn't happy. And you could tell. So I wasn't surprised. But, you know, again, things happen in life for a reason. And that made me rethink what I wanted to do for my life and change direction and start something new. So this is the part in the show where I overshare. (laughs) I was fired once. Oh, yeah. Thank God you were. Or else we wouldn't be sitting here right now. It's true. I'll keep this brief. But I was working at a mortgage brokerage. And And how old were you? uh, I was in university. So I don't know. I was probably like 
what do you went twenty or okay. something? Okay. My job, this is how old I am. My job was to manually type in names and addresses from an old Mac computer, like those long old ones. Right, the ones you used to see on Felicity. I don't know, <laughs> but I had to type the names and addresses from that computer onto a PC because I guess at that time it was like the future is PC. You have no floppy disks. Yeah, in your no, Mac they weren't. They weren't convertible, apparently. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, I was so bored that I was doing stupid shit. And, you know, same like, like Maria. What? What, are you, what were you doing? Oh, I was talking on the phone the right. whole time on speaker because I was so bored. <laughs> and I think they were like monitoring the phone lines. Right. This is getting way too I would in defi- depth. I would definitely fire you. <laughs> yeah. So I got fired and it was devastating. It was a yeah. huge blow. I think I'm going turning a little pink right now. No, actually. no. It's, it was a huge blow to the ego. But right. I will tell you after that, my next real job was um, I was an assistant at a hair magazine. And let me tell you, I was probably the best little worker bee yeah, you ever did up, find. I was right. like, you want this photocopied? It is 100% straight. Yeah. It's exactly the right, like, yeah. you know, resolution and shape. Like, I got, I was just so You were a task, taskmaster after that. Yeah, I yeah. was so eager. I never took anything for granted, and I did not give attitude because yeah. I just was like, I will not ever be fired again yeah. in my life. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Well, that worked out well for you, and you still type way faster than me. So you probably learned something on that data entry job, even (laughs) if you had your feet up on your desk. Anyway, so Maria, the way that she responded to getting fired, she was like, I'm I'm not working for the man anymore. I'm I'm doing it for myself. Right. In this next little clip you're gonna hear how she was inspired to do just that. It was the late nineties and I was reading and seeing a lot of cool young brands uh, being born from Bliss with Marsha Kilgore to Stila. And I got really excited to see all those up-and-coming beauty brands that were changing the business. Up to that point, it was just the main brands from the Cliniques, the Estee Lauder, everything was a bit old-fashioned and boring. And having worked a little bit into beauty and having experienced some products, I thought, oh my God, this is such a cool sector and there's a lot happening and there is an acceptance from the public of something new in beauty. So that was the time that I got really inspired by other women who started their own businesses. And I thought, hmm, I have a few ideas and how hard can it be? I'll start my own beauty brand. I was thinking that skincare has been very boring over the last few years. And this is over 15 years ago. When I was growing up, all, all we had was the Clinique three-step system, the dramatically different moisturizing lotion, a toner, and a soap. And I thought there's something more that we can do in this day and age of technology. I wanted to find some new ingredients and some exciting formulas that would give you results very specific to your skin, whether it's fine lines and wrinkles or thinning skin on the neck or pigmentation, and just have a range of products that are a little more targeted than the, the bread and butter skincare that was available at the time. So that got me thinking, and I also got really interested in finding unusual ingredients that no one else was using and and trying to come up with innovations and exciting skincare. I think at that point, skincare was really boring. And I wanted it to be exciting, that you were excited to use a cream rather than, okay, I'm going to put another cream on. The first year was a lot of research. I started going to 
a number of trade shows, beauty trade shows, and and go from stand to stand and, and get to meet people and meet manufacturers and meet different labs. I did travel quite a bit within the UK because the UK has a long standing history of skincare labs. I met with a few people and I found a lab, this French chemist actually, who is based in London. I talked to her about my ideas and she immediately got it. We're still working together 18 years later, which is really exciting. I find that we, we work very well together as a team. I would brief her for the product that I, I wanted to create and then she would come up with the ingredients and the formula would try it. So finding a lab was the first step and then finding a contract manufacturer that would take that formula and make it into a few hundreds at the beginning and then thousands to create the stock. Then it's all about the packaging, so sourcing packaging designers and packaging manufacturers and all that. And along the way, I made a lot of mistakes from ordering a component that the product wouldn't be compatible with and we had to throw away thousands of packaging or uh, we didn't measure up properly the box and the box was smaller than the component. We had to throw away boxes. So I did make a lot of mistakes throughout the way, not coming from the beauty industry myself. But then every mistake is, is a way to learn and move on and hopefully the next time you'll do it better. And that Wall Street banking background, well, that's about to come in handy. Initially, back in the day, I started with about $30,000. All of the money goes into creating the formulas and manufacturing your initial stock, which at the time was a few hundreds. I was doing a lot of the work myself including organizing appointments with the press to get the products into publications, packing, sending out some of the orders, and even going to the stores and selling. So if you are prepared to start really small and do a lot of it yourself, you don't need a big investment. But if you want to fast forward the growth and you want to have the right team and you want to hire a PR agency from day one and have a sales force to go out and sell the product, then you could be looking at a lot more. A few hundreds of thousands to I've seen investments on startup to a million to a few million, depending how big you want to go when you start. But it's in a way not having the investment. It's been a blessing in disguise because every every dollar we spend, we need to justify why we're spending it and making sure that we grow the business with a profit. And that helped to create a very solid foundation, meaning it took a while to grow, but we never had this crazy growth that then was unsustainable and we had to take massive cuts. So in a way, we grew more slowly, but I think at the end of the day, we are a more stable business because of that. It took me about five years to take a salary and my first salary was about 20,000 pounds. So I never went into this to make a lot of money. I went into this because I was passionate and I had to make a lot of sacrifices. We hear that a lot, that founders don't tend to take any money in the first handful of years. Yeah, I think that's a rule of entrepreneurship. And it's like their businesses become 
like babies. Mm -hmm. And next up, we're going to hear about how Maria would come to name her baby, as it were, Rodial, and all of the very deliberate headline-making titles for her products. The name was one of the hardest parts. When you start the beauty range, you start thinking about natural names that, that would fit with a beauty brand that have the word beauty in them or something beauty-related. But when you start doing research, a lot of those names are taken. So you have to come up with something that doesn't exist or create a word. One of the key ingredients that I first used was pomegranate, and the Greek word for pomegranate is rodi. So I thought, let's just give it a French twist and call it rodial. So it's a made-up word, doesn't really mean anything. At the beginning, I wanted to call it rodiel because I thought it was more feminine, but that was taken, so I couldn't do that. So I ended up with Rodial. I wasn't happy with it at the beginning, but then it sticks to you after you've said it a few times and you see it written down. So Rodial it is. And the brand has really evolved from the brand that was based on pomegranate to a brand that uses a lot of high-tech, innovative ingredients. Dragon's Blood was our second successful product. The first one was the snake serum, and that created a lot of excitement with customers with the press everyone was talking about it not everyone liked the idea that there is a synthetic peptide that mimics the effects of snake but everyone was talking about it so that got us a lot of free publicity when we didn't have any money to pay for advertising and a couple of years into the success of snake serum I thought we need to come up with something equally exciting I was I was traveling I was at a trade show and I found this ingredient called dragon's blood. I didn't know what it was, but I thought, hmm, that sounds really interesting. It's an ingredient that comes from a sap of a tree in the Amazon. It has a reddish color and it helps to maintain hydration within the skin. So if you combine it with hyaluronic acid, it amplifies the plumping effect. So decided to use it. All the packaging has the this reddish corally color. And you will be surprised to know that we still have people who contact us and say, are you killing dragons to get this ingredient? As you know, I've set up Rodial Skincare and a few years into the business, I set up Niven Fab. So I know everything about setting up a diffusion range. A diffusion line is when you have a luxury brand and you decide that there is a market for a less expensive version of the main brand, it still has the same DNA, but it's targeting a different audience. That was a clip of the Project Runway spinoff called Fashion Startups. Maria was a mentor on that show, and it's like a cross between Project Runway and Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. You know Rebecca Minkoff was judged. Tommy Hilfiger was on it. Mm -hmm. Really makes sense with her NBA and Mm -hmm. startup experience that she was part of this show to help up-and-coming designers. Right, but I did think it was kind of curious that they got somebody from the beauty business to be a mentor on a fashion show. And what's interesting about that is the fact that she... She brought the concept of diffusion to beauty. And that's typically something you hear about with fashion lines. There's a designer brand, and then there's a diffusion line that's less expensive. And that's exactly what she did. With Rodial, the prices are not cheap. In September, they're coming out with a rose gold collection. It has real particles of gold in it. The moisturizer and serum are priced at over $200. And that's typical in in the Rodial family. And then she came out with a cheaper line, right? Yeah, so that's her version of the diffusion line, which 
which is called Nip and Fab, mm-hmm. launched in 2010. It's a fraction of the cost, but mm-hmm. has highly active ingredients. So mm-hmm. I think the difference is you asked her about this, right? What justifies the yeah, difference Yeah, it was like, price? well, how are they both equally effective when one is like a quarter of the price? And she explained that with Rodial, the focus is on innovative first-to-market ingredients. And when you do that, you have to pay for all of the research behind it. Yeah. And that's expensive. And exclusivity, I would imagine, also. Yeah. So you don't want someone else to scoop you. Yeah, exactly. But you also want to make sure that it's not going to cause people to break out. Like there's rigorous tasks that have to be done. And you don't have that economy of scale, right? With Nip and Fab, she's focusing on one key ingredient that's a gold standard. It's been used for 20 years. The research has long been paid for. And because it's been, it, it is used so commonly in the industry, it's cheaper to source. Right. So this line is really brilliant. It's that mastige sweet spot. It gained a huge following at being really effective and active. And one of my friends, who shall remain nameless, is obsessed with their glycolic pads. Mm -hmm. And glycolic is well-known. It erases fine lines, dullness, gets rid of dark spots. But my friend uses these pads as to treat ingrown hairs. Beauty Mm -hmm. hack. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this is a bit of a micro trend because the ordinary is blowing up right now by Desiem. Yeah. And I know that Indeed Labs has been in this niche category for a while. But it's this idea of high actives at a low price with super simple packaging. Yeah. So the the ordinary, mm-hmm. it's this range of very sleek, premium skincare, potent, line-blasting ingredients. So they've gotten <laughs> retinols in there. They've got glycolic. It's every skincare junkie's dream. Their mm-hmm. line of foundations, when they came out, had a 20,000-person waiting list at yeah. Boots in the UK or in the UK. Mm-hmm. There's more than 20 SKUs. The names are like AHA 30% plus BHA 2% peeling mm-hmm. solution. And it's like a 10-minute exfoliating facial. And the price is re ridiculous seven dollars and twenty cents i'm pretty sure that's less than a pack of smoke oh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely like it's like two tall cans <laughs> less than a glass of wine for sure yeah so she's right on top of things and you know when estee lauder is investing in companies like yep. desam like yep. this is a category that's taking off but once again maria was there first exactly and she's actually expanding the glycolic line next up in january 2018 she's going to have the glycolic rate shot. So it's like a turbo booster. Yeah. It's like when you go to your favorite juice bar and you get a ginger shot, the same idea for your skin. You just put a couple of drops of this into your moisturizer or your serum. Helps to exfoliate, makes your skin glow. Next up, we're going to hear about how she started Nip and Fab. The name Nip and Fab, it's um, derived from Nip and Tuck and then looking fabulous and then putting those two words together again it's very difficult to find a new name for a beauty range but and somehow this worked and the target market is young women between the ages of 18 to 28 obviously having developed Rodiel a while ago Nip and Fab was a lot more successful much quicker because I've learned 10 years in my back of Rodiel so I avoided some of the mistakes that I did the first time round. Here's more proof of Maria's knack for early adoption. How about signing Kylie Jenner when she was just 16? I can hardly remember life before Kylie lip kits, but (laughs) Maria was on it. She was very smart about it. She was. And next up, we're going to hear about how exactly she managed to snag herself an ambassador of the highest order. 
First of all, we got Kylie before she even got any beauty contract. We started communicating with her when she was almost 16 years old. As you know, she's been in the public eye for a while and she's been working with a lot of celebrity makeup artists that work with Kardashian family. And we do work with a lot of those artists. We send them product and they tag us if they like it. So what happened was Kylie got hold of a nip and fab product got called glycolic pads in a photo shoot through one of her makeup artists and she loved it and then posted the picture of the product on Instagram and that that was unexpected we got a lot of excitement we got a lot of requests we got a lot of interest in the brand because of that Instagram and so we thought well that was interesting why not investigate this a bit further um, we reached out to her and suggested that she became the face of Nip and Fab at that time she was still very young and and she said yes and I couldn't believe it so we worked a couple of times with her we brought her to London the first time we did the photo shoot a campaign um, and a whole bunch of other events and then we worked with her a second time in LA where we did the second campaign and that was the last time we worked with her because after that she launched her own lip kit so she's now beauty entrepreneur in her own right. You can read all of the juicy details of Maria's first shoot with Kylie on page 151 of her book, How to Be an Overnight Success. I've got that page (laughs) dog-eared. Well, Maria may not have the 22 million followers that Kylie had at the time. Obviously, that's a game changer for any brand. But Maria does have 575,000 of her own. I'm pretty sure that's unprecedented as a beauty founder who's not maybe like a celebrity makeup artist or or hairdresser or whatnot. Yeah, and she's on it. Like She has her own YouTube channel as well, Uh and she does Instagram Live. Like she's very much on the front lines of all of that stuff. And so many brands are chasing good content now. It's hashtag goals that she's been able to brand herself and cultivate this very loyal following. How'd she do it? That's next. I think that you can never be too secure with your situation or space within the beauty business we see brands coming up every day there's there's new millennial brands out there and I think that it's not necessarily about the product that no one else has seen before it's about how you market it and what is the story that you're telling and how you're telling your story things have changed now it used to be that it was all about the celebrities and getting them a product and then getting them to give you a quote for the press and now the climate has changed and it's about getting on instagram and getting the the views and getting the followers and we see new brands coming up every day playing that game very well so it's about keeping up with the competition the Mrs. Rodiel account started as a, as a hobby and it does continue to be a hobby of mine where I can be creative and, and have fun and just connect with our customer. It doesn't have an agenda, funny enough. You will very rarely see product. We just keep that for the main account. But I do feel that I've developed a great connection with our customer. I do respond to pretty much every single comment that comes my way I've become friends with a lot of my followers on Instagram and I comment back to their accounts you know we all wish each other happy weekend babes and have a great Monday and I check out what they do and they check out what I do and I feel it's a great way to just connect with like-minded people and 
if at the end of the day they see a product and they like it and they become our customers as well, that's great. But honestly, there is no agenda. It's just a fun project. And I think that's why it's doing so well, because there is no agenda. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we're all looking for inspiration. And I do follow a lot of bloggers. And then, you know, we all wake up one day and say, what do you wear today? And just scroll through and see what other people are wearing and just maybe trying to get some inspiration. But I always feel that I shouldn't promote my own products. I don't know, maybe this is a a family thing that you never you don't talk about yourself you don't promote yourself you you let others do it so I don't do as much beauty but I feel I can talk about fashion since no one's gonna think I'm promoting anything and just have fun with it but yeah the um, outfit of the day get me a lot of attention and oh where is that from so I always make sure I tag everyone so they can see where pieces are from yeah What's impressive is the level of engagement with her followers. If you read the comments, they're very personal Mm -hmm. and very kind. People are rooting for her. They're like, you look great, Maria. I can't wait to read the book. Like, it's like they're talking to their friends. I just love watching this kind of storyboard about her travels and her looks as she's jet setting around the globe. Absolutely. And she's taking content creation to that next level with the introduction of her book. So we asked her how that project came to be. So over the last few years, I have been talking to conferences on topics from starting the business to growing the business to the challenges that I faced. And every time I would speak, I got some great feedback from from the audience and they were saying, oh, you should write a book one day. But I never thought much of it. And then at the office with my team, especially with some of the people who've been with me for a few years and they know the history of the brand, we've had some crazy moments over the years and they would say, oh, this needs to go into a book. It's a combination of some of my business talks and some of the crazy celebrity behind the scenes dramas that we had that I thought this could be a book but it it wasn't a smooth ride either so as I write the book there is no overnight success in book publishing either I started making some notes I've, I've written all the book actually on my notes app on my iPad my iPhone and I was putting them all together I've had over a year had two agents reject me and they thought that's not going to go anywhere you're not known enough no one's going to buy this book so slap in the face so I would leave the project and then think about this again but I got really demotivated at some point and then a publisher came to me directly and said oh you know we've heard you doing this shall we have a meeting and I thought "Mm, yeah I need an agent I don't think it works that way but anyway I went and I had the meeting and they got it and they got really excited so they got me excited again by that time I had deleted half the book. I didn't like it. And so they said, but you need to finish the book and we're not going to get your ghostwriter. So, you know, get your ass there and finish the book. I love how honest Maria is about some of these hardships she's faced. You know, I really believe that good stories, the key to them are when people allow themselves to become vulnerable because that's what connects. Whether it's a reader or a listener or a customer, it makes them feel something. And I I think the thing about Maria is her outward facade is she's very glamorous. You know, she's got this glossy exterior, but underneath it all, there's a human and she owns it. Yeah. You know, she owns even if it's a flaw, she owns it. Yeah. And we asked her when she encounters these hardships, when she encounters rejection, how does she hold her head up and keep forging ahead to make her own success? There's still 
stores that I, I want to be in that I've been seeing every year for the last 15 years. And I still get emails back saying, mm, you're not right for us. And it's very frustrating. So I don't think you're ever at a point in your career, your life that everything goes your way. There's always roadblocks. I think what I do is just take a step back and try to appreciate the successes that I've had rather than focus on whatever's not working out for me. And then just look at the successes, not over a course of six months, but say, look at where you were five, 10 years ago, where you are now. And then if you see that, you will see the progress and you'll feel good about yourself. Thanks for tuning in to Breaking Beauty. And if you want to know more about anything we talked about in today's episode, please visit us at breakingbeauty.ca. And to make sure you don't miss a single thing, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And if you're up for it, show your love by writing a review in iTunes.